0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you're watching from. My name is Morey Di Wenjiao, Senior Pastor of Avuno Church, also known as Pastor M. And I'm so excited to be welcoming you into a new month. Happy new month! I tell you, it's so, so good uh, reaching you out from Hill City and uh, so glad for the audience we have in the house today uh, as we're bringing this word to you. And let me just say that, hey, um, my goodness, if you're watching from home, um, all our all our churches are back now. I mean, all, almost every single one of our churches is meeting uh, live, and so we'd love to have you uh, in our live services. Uh, but for those of you who are for some reason or other, you're, you're only able to watch from home, we are so excited you're here as well. Uh, and this next couple of months, we want to be confronting a huge stronghold. We're gonna be talking about a big uh, big culture stronghold in our world today. It's something that is affecting all of us. And I wanna say it's affecting us at a personal level. Uh, many of our relationships today have been distorted or even destroyed by this issue. That's how important it is. But it's also affecting us at a national level. Uh, in Kenya, uh, for those of you who are from Kenya, uh, this year there's a national elections. And I, I wanna tell you that many of our policies are being shaped by this issue. Many of our views towards our nation, many of our views towards our elections are being shaped by this issue and it's also fair for me to say that this is a critical issue across the world. It really is a generational issue and entire movements have been shaped by this issue and so let me warn you as we start that this message is going to be a big confrontation of truth (laughs) because it goes against many cultural things that we have owned and believed almost unquestioningly in fact I want to say this it's not even a current issue because this issue is so huge it even shook the faith of Jesus' disciples that's how big it is I mean you're asking what issue could we possibly be talking about you see the disciples let me give you a bit of a background the disciples they had seen some of the most amazing miracles that any generation has ever seen I mean, they saw, just think about it. Imagine, walk with me as a disciple. They saw people being raised from the dead. They saw blind eyes open. They saw lepers being healed. They saw people who've never walked their whole life. And all of a sudden, these guys were jumping and leaping. I mean, they saw storms that scared professional fishermen. And they saw these storms being calmed at a moment because Jesus spoke a word. And then they had this same man, this Jesus, Claim things that no human being had ever claimed for himself. I mean, I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I mean, listen to this one. No one can come to God the Father except through me. I mean, it's like, my gosh, every day they were dealing with unbelievable miracles and statements that would make anyone doubt their sanity. But you know, it's very interesting that in the middle of all this, on one occasion something that is described in the Bible, it was so unbelievable that even the disciples say, please, you have to increase our faith. We can't believe this. It's unbelievable. Even the disciples who've seen all those unbelievable things, they're like, this is way too much. Let let me just read this for you, just in case you're wondering what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 5. Luke 17, verse 3 to 5. And this is what it says. Let's read this together. So, watch yourselves. This is Jesus uh, speaking to his disciples. So, watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles say to the Lord, Increase our faith. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like you never hear them you never hear them say increase our faith when someone is raised from the dead you've never had them say increase our faith when Jesus says I am the bread of life no one can see God except through me I mean nobody says increase our faith but when Jesus says my goodness even if your brother sins against you seven times and comes and says I'm sorry you forgive them those seven times at that point they're like Jesus hold on this is too much this is way too much. I can't handle. Increase my faith, Lord. I mean, how, how do you react when you hear that story? I mean, how do you personally respond when someone deeply offends you? You know, it's very interesting. Jesus, in another scripture, which is going to be my main text, by the way, uh, he speaks about what is going to happen in the last days. The days before his return. And this is Matthew chapter 24, verse 10 to 12. And he says this to his disciples, Matthew 24, 10 to 12. He says, and then many will be offended. Note that word. Many will be offended, will betray one another. They will hate one another. And then he says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, like I said, this is my main text today. As we set the groundwork for our topic this month. You see, Jesus says that in the last days, many will be offended. That's what we're talking about this this month. Our series is No Offense. It's called No Offense. Offense proofing your life. You know, truly we live in the era of great offense. I don't know if these are the last days Jesus was talking about. There's been such deep bitterness in our world. Surrounding issues such as police brutality. Racial or economic injustice all across the world. Some of the most powerful movements of our time have been driven by offense. Whether we're talking about Black Lives Matter, Me Too, Modern Feminism, MAGA, <laughs> LBGTQIA, others too many to count. And the prevalence of social media has given birth to much higher scrutiny of people on institutions of power, and on leadership than has ever existed before in our history. And the result of this is what we call the call-out culture, the cancel culture, where people are publicly shamed or ostracized because of something they said or they believe or they stand for. I mean, this is happening across the world, and closer home, it's normal today, and I don't know if you're listening from an African country, you're probably seeing this as well, but it's normal today to find people trolling, and insulting each other on social media because of their different political stance. I mean, we live in the age of political offense, of racial offense, of class offense, of gender offense, of leadership offense, of family offense, which have I left? I mean, it's like just the age of offense. We are the offended generation. But I believe... That offense is a trap that the enemy uses to keep many from their destiny. In fact, I'm going to say that again because it's so important. If you forget everything else I say today, that's the one thing I want you to remember. That offense is a trap that the enemy uses to keep many from their destiny. And Jesus says in the last days that the days will be characterized by offense. He says, and then many will be offended and they will betray one another. And they will hate one another. And then false prophets will arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. You can see he's talking about offense. What's going to happen is offense. And then he talks about two invisible results of offense. And then two visible results of offense. I'm going to go through those. That's actually what we want to go through as we go through the rest of our message. The two invisible results of offense and the two visible results of offense. The the invisible ones are betrayal and hatred. And then after that, these two create the atmosphere for the visible results, which are deceit from false prophets and the loss of faith because of lawlessness. So let's begin with those invisible ones. We're going to talk about this whole thing of betrayal. You know, Jesus in this passage, by the way, he's not giving a dissertation on offense. Uh, that's not what his, the, the intent was. But I believe he clearly shows us what happens in a culture when offense becomes a way of life. You know, even before Jesus, 900 years before Jesus, King Solomon wrote a very powerful word about offense. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. Proverbs 18, 19, he wrote this. He says, a brother offended is harder to win than a a strong city. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. In in Solomon's time, a strong city was a city that was surrounded by walls, which had been put up to protect that city. And what basically the, the walls did, the walls were there to protect you From those people outside who you believed were against you, your enemies. And then the walls, you put them in to open for the people who are like you, people who you thought were your friends. And guess what? That's exactly what happens when somebody's offended. When you're offended, you build up walls. A man or woman, you put up walls. And these walls, you build them to protect yourself. You keep out the ones who you think are your enemies, the ones who've offended you. And you only let in the ones who think like you or who you think are like you. And this is the result. Jesus talks about when, when that begins to happen, guess what comes? Betrayal and hatred. Now, betrayal. Most people think of betrayal as this huge action. I mean, someone stabbed you in the back. I mean, you even use words like those. I mean, it's like a man cheating on his wife. That's betrayal. A, a rebel leading a coup against the government. That's betrayal. But you know, betrayal is, these are, these are great examples, but they're extreme examples. Betrayal is simply when I seek my benefit at the expense of someone that I have a relationship with. When I put myself first, <laughs> when I seek my benefit first, and it causes offense or it pushes away someone whom I have a relationship with. You see, what that's what happens when I put up walls to defend myself. Because of offense, I put up walls. And these walls, they shut down the relationship. They keep me on the place where I no longer can give to that person. I start to protect myself at the expense of the relationship, and guess what begins to happen? I begin to betray my relationship. Let me, let me talk about this. You see, when you're, re- when you're, when you're offended, you, rec- you can no longer give freely. Let's, let's, let's use the example of marriage. You can no longer give freely in a relationship of marriage because of offense. Maybe the offense was caused by, by, by your spouse against you. There's something they did. There's something they said. There's an action they did that strongly offended you. Or maybe it wasn't even them. It was somebody, your parents, uh, somebody ahead of you did it once, and you thought, I never want to allow anyone close to me. So instead of being in a place where you're, you're able to, to give, guess what you do? You protect. And we see this all the time in marriage. I was offended, and as a result, I can't trust you. I can't be close to you. I, I'm in a defensive posture. I never want to be taken advantage of again. And guess what? I may not be in an affair, but even at that point, my heart doesn't belong to you. And that is betrayal. Because I'm betraying the vows. That all I have, I give to you. all that I, You know those powerful things you said in your marriage, in your wedding day? You're already betraying them. Because instead of being like this, guess how you are? How many couples do you know who are in marriage? Where if you could really see how they looked on the inside, this is actually what's going on. It's a position of power and protection. It's a strong city. Walls of offense have come up and they've led to betrayal. This happens at work. You're going to find bosses who are cold and who rule by fear and power plays. Anybody been there? I mean, you find these bosses who even sabotage you. Your success is not, they can't allow it. Why? Because of their own internal pain. It's not about you, it's about their own issues. Why? Hurting people hurt others. And this is how the walls of offense lead to betrayal. So that's the first thing that Jesus says. When people are offended in the last days, there will be betrayal. Then he talks about the other thing. And by the way, you can't see betrayal. It's hidden. It's on the inside. But then he he talks about the second thing, which is hatred. He says that betrayal and hatred happen together. A lot of people equate hatred with strong emotions, with anger, with frustration. But did you know that you can actually have hatred with no emotions? Did you know that? I mean, look at the story of Absalom, King David's son. He hated his brother Amnon. The guy had raped his sister and he hated him. But the Bible says he neither spoke good or evil against him. He felt nothing. You know, when a person hates, it doesn't mean that they're really emotional or they're distraught or they're angry. You can be, and and by the way, don't, don't, don't get this twisted. You can get angry at someone and still love them and care for them, right? Yeah, sometimes your younger brother, he so irritates you, <laughs> or your younger sister. You're so mad at them, but you still love them. So you can actually be angry at someone, but you still have love for them. Hate means that you have no compassion in your heart for that person. Basically, the way we say it in our culture, is say, I feel nothing for them. How many separated couples do I meet? Where the person clearly says, pastor, it's not like we're enemies but I feel nothing for them. It's just like there's nothing in my heart. When I think about it, I have no emotions for them. Guess what? That feeling nothing is hatred. It's actually hatred. And, and here's a crazy thing. It may look like it's just a passive thing. I, I mean, I just, I just feel nothing for them. But first, John chapter 3, verse 1 tells us that hatred is a dangerous thing. The Apostle John wrote these words, 1 John 3, 1. He says, whoever hates his brother... And listen, he's talking to Christians here. So he's not necessarily talking about siblings, but he's talking about your fellow Christian. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. In other words, in God's kingdom culture, the minute you, you feel nothing, you, you, you hate your brother, you hate your husband, you hate your boss, you hate your parent. I mean, you, basically what you're saying is, I feel nothing for them. I've detached myself from them. I've isolated myself from them guess what? The Bible says, and these are crazy words, that you're in the same WhatsApp group with a murderer. You're in the same position as a murderer. That's a, I mean, like it's like, John, how do you say that? that? John is the apostle of love. Like He's the guy who talks about love, 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 love. And this is the one thing he says, look, if you, if, if you hate, then you're the same as a murderer. This is what I keep saying when I say, offense is a trap that the enemy uses to keep many from their destiny. So, so we've seen the first thing that happens, I get offended. And the first thing that happens is walls go up, leads me to betrayal, leads me to hatred. That's under the surface. Then these things begin to come out in the visible realm. And, 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 and Jesus talks about the fact that the visible effects of offense are, one, deceit from false prophets. He says that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And then he says, number two, loss of faith from lawlessness. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So, so let's talk about that first one, the, the thing about false prophets. It's easy to think of false prophets as cult leaders. Uh, you know, people doing shady rituals, conning you of all your money. And in some of our cultures, especially in African Africa, we've got many people who've been labeled as false prophets. But you know, I don't believe that those shady prophets who are doing funny rituals and conning people of their money, I don't believe that's the greatest danger facing offended Christians today. Instead, It's ideologies that agree with your offended worldview and push you into an us versus them mentality. And that's why Jesus talks to, he talks about false prophets as wolves in sheep's clothing. (laughs) Have you ever heard that passage? Matthew 7, uh, 15. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing But inwardly, they're ferocious wolves. I want you to notice something about what Jesus is saying here. Did you notice he said, wolves in sheep's clothing? He didn't say, wolves in shepherd's clothing. It's a difference. You know, everyone is looking for that false prophet who's a shepherd, who's a pastor, who's a person behind a pulpit. But the false prophets Jesus is saying, watch out for in these last days, are not behind the pulpit, they're in the pew. They are in sheep's clothing. They are people who look like you. They agree with you. They sympathize with you. They encourage you to feel like a victim. They encourage you to feel justified in your hatred, in your bitterness. They encourage you to isolate and protect yourself, only to let in people who are like you. In other words, they encourage you to keep the walls up. This thing is so huge because there are so many people walking around offended today and feel very justified in their offense because everything around them supports their worldview that it's okay for me to be offended. And here's the crazy thing. The world we live in, the culture itself, (laughs) it's part of that circle of false prophets. It supports our offended thinking. You know, last year, at the end of last year, the Wall Street Journal, uh, they shared a leaked memo from Facebook, one of, the largest, uh, the team at, uh, one of the largest corporations in the world today. Uh, uh, it's called Meta, but Facebook is a, the product. Uh, the team was working at Facebook. And, and basically, these guys had a, 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 a memo that a team wrote to the management. Now, this team had been put together to study how uh, the site had been used to polarize people during the U.S. elections and the Brexit vote before that. And their discoveries were very startling. As they sat together, as they studied, they realized that because of the way Facebook is, is and social media in general, by the way, are designed, that there are in, in, serious dangers there. You see, uh, social media is designed to keep you scrolling. That's how it makes money. I mean, the minute you stop scrolling, the minute you stop using your phone, the minute you stop looking down at it, they stop making money. So basically, the computer algorithms use artificial intelligence to push to the top anything that will keep you scrolling. But here's what happened. These guys discovered, this group discovered, that the algorithms, the computer AI, <laughs> had discovered what the news outlets have known for many, many years, that bad news sells more than good news. And so the algorithms, they automatically push up the bad news. So let me give you an example. You, two of you uh, go to a restaurant, and you both have a meal and you come out and one of you writes on your phone and you tweet and you say man that was a fantastic meal i enjoyed it the waiter was so good uh man i i think i'll always come back to this restaurant and you put and you press post but your friend who's in the same restaurant talks about what a horrible restaurant i mean the first of all the food was cold the waiter came late they insulted me there was a cockroach in the food they even take a picture of the cockroach And they talk about the fact that they'll never come back here again, and they post. Guess which post will be put up in the feed? Guess which post people will be most likely to click on? Of course, it's a cockroach one. You know, it's interesting because the computers know this, and they will push up in your feed the negative one. And the positive one, by the way, will not even be read. It will be pushed to the bottom. And it's crazy enough when this is restaurant reviews. I mean, that's how bad news gets amplified so quickly. But they discovered that, think about what happens when it's a national election at stake or when it's bigger issues like national national security at stake. And they discovered that the reason social media is so effective at polarizing society and causing people to hate those who don't think like them is because basically when people spread hate messages, those who, don't, who like that message are just hardened in one direction. And so this report, by the way, these guys, they did this report and they stated their discovery and they said that this business model, this social media giant, our uh, business model is built to cause division and polarization in society. And they wrote a recommendation <laughs> to their CEO and to the rest of the board and they said uh, business must move away. Our business must move away from this model. We must find another model that doesn't polarize people. Now here's what happens, surprise, surprise, the report was completely ignored by the executives in the boardroom. Uh, And this is the time when Mark Zuckerberg was actually defending his company's role in subverting democracy in the world. He was standing in front of of Congress, uh, defending Facebook and saying, look, we had nothing to do with subverting our elections. And even, by the way, including elections in the country of Kenya, that was one of the nations where uh, this social media had been used by different companies to cause division and to cause people to hate each other. We've become pawns. We've become pawns by people who cause us to want to hate people who think different from us. And social media is being used to make us angry and offended all the time because offense sells. So we're being herded into communities of people who agree with one another. And communities that are isolated from divergent views. So you find that everybody on your Twitter feed thinks like you. Everybody on your Facebook uh, profile thinks like you. And all the people who don't are quickly moved into other places where they don't even see your posts. And these are communities of false prophets. We belong to communities of false prophets. In other words, you get offended today and you say something like, I hate men. And you'll soon find that everybody around you agrees with you. Because social media puts you in that group. I hate politicians. I hate pastors. I hate them. I hate people of a certain tribe. Guess what? You're going to find yourself soon in a community that cheers you on and agrees with you. Listen to me. An offended person, and specifically for the sake of our message, an offended Christian is extremely vulnerable to all kinds of false prophets and ideologies. Offense is a trap that is used to keep many in our society from their destiny. My goodness, I, I'm, I, my heart breaks when I think about this because we, we, I, I just find that so many people are walking around in offense and feeling justified in offense because everybody around them seems to think that what they are, they're doing is actually what they should be doing. And let me just say, this is the first thing, that offense makes us vulnerable to lies, to deception, but offense also makes us, uh, <laughs> the second visible effect is a loss of faith. It causes us to lose our faith Because of lawlessness. Matthew chapter 24 verse 12. It says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, I want you to understand, today I'm just painting a big picture. I really want you to get this big picture. We're going to get into more details. We're going to get into more specifics, more practical. But today I really want to paint the big picture. He's talking about faith growing, the love of many growing cold because of lawlessness. Lawlessness is a Greek word, anomia, which means not submitted to the authority of God. And basically what he's talking about is thought processes and worldviews that will be contrary to God's word. In the last days, there will be thought processes and worldviews that are contrary to God's authority. And basically what's happened is we live in a world where as we become more isolated, more offended, we've embraced worldviews as Christians that are completely, completely opposed to God's word, and we have no clue about it. I don't know if you've heard these things from Christians. How many of you have ever heard Christians saying things like, it doesn't matter what you believe so long as you're sincere about it. You know, you might not even say it, but in your mind, many people think that. Uh, I've heard people think, say things like, all people pray to the same God or spirit, no matter what name they use. And these are Christians who say things like this. <laughs> meaning and purpose come from being one with all there is. I've got friends who believe that. And that's where meaning and purpose come from. That is not a biblical teaching. If you do good, you will receive good. If you do bad, you will receive bad. Karma. How many Christians talk about karma nowadays? Like it's something that they found in the scriptures. Uh, if you, and, and, and you've had this, you've, this one is very common. You must cut off people in your life who drag you down and surround yourself with positive vibes only. How many positive vibes Christians are watching this right now? And you believe that positive vibes is something like you cut off people who want. If Jesus did that to us, none of us would be in this room. Listen to me. This is not the Bible. I have, a right, have you had people say, I have a right to be angry and to say what I want, when I want, about who I want. I mean, that's something that social media teaches us to believe is true. I've had many people say, I don't need a church. I can find Jesus on my own. Very commonplace among Christians today these thoughts, as attractive as they are, they are the way of the world. They are contrary to God's word. And many Christians attend church unaware that their worldview is poisoning their faith. It's causing you to grow cold. Jesus says in the last days, lawlessness will abound. Uh, Lawlessness will become commonplace. It will become normal. People will embrace philosophies that will cause their love for God to grow cold. And the scary thing is, many people don't even understand that this is what, going, is what is going on. Many people who are offended don't even realize they are offended. Uh, I, I see this as I've been preparing this message, as we've been praying about this. It's been, for me, one of the things I've been praying is, God, open your people's eyes. Because we don't even know that we're offended. We don't even understand that we've been conditioned to be offended. Paul said to Timothy, uh, this is some very powerful thing that Paul said to his disciple Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. To 26, and he says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. And then he says about people who oppose you, he said, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. You see, Paul is not talking to non-believers. He's talking to believers here, God's servants. And he's saying, listen, you can be a minister of the gospel. You can serve on a ministry team. You can even attend a discipleship group every week. You can attend your services and even serve in church. You can even be witnessing to people. But in the whole process, you are trapped. You're a captive of the devil. You're actually doing the enemy's will. You think you're releasing streams of living water when you're meeting these people, but actually what you're doing is releasing water that is tainted with bitterness because offense has turned you into the enemy's captive. And I'm praying that God will open our eyes. Mavuno Church, I'm praying that God will open our eyes to see how dangerous this thing called offense is. Offense is a trap that the enemy uses to keep many from their destiny. Now we're gonna be talking about this this next month and actually uh, over the next couple of months. And I wanna say that as we do this, my prayer is that we're gonna get very practical. We're gonna talk about offense in our marriages, offense in our families. We're gonna have an opportunity to pray for different families in our church. Uh, and pray that God would break the spirit of offense. We're basing our whole series. There's a great book by John Bevere and it's called The Bait of Satan. And I'm hoping that uh, if you can get a copy, get yourself a copy because it's going to be a great uh, book to read alongside as we go through this series. But today I wanted to show us how dangerous offense is for us as Christians. Many of us are carrying offenses, offenses at our parents. Maybe you don't shout at your parents. You're 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 not even angry at them at least visibly, but you're isolated. You keep your distance because you're offended by them. We're offended by our spouses. We're offended by our siblings. We're offended by our colleagues at work. We're offended by our leaders. Now, I'm not saying that these people did things that are justified. What they did to hurt you was not justified. Your feelings are genuine. They're undeniable. But my point today is what will happen if you let that offense fester? Because if you do nothing about it, Offence is a trap that the enemy will use to keep many from their destiny. This is a serious issue God people. Now the trap of the devil as you can tell it's a very serious issue and my prayer as we go through this series is that we're going to see some great victories. We're going to see families freed. There's some things that you've been praying for and you've been wondering why they're not happening and you're going to find that as God breaks the, the trap of offense in your life that there's going to be speed and acceleration in our families like never before. Actually, I'm praying, we're going to have uh, a couple of Sundays this month when we're going to just be doing family prayers, just praying for breakthrough in all our families. Uh, God will just free us from this trap of offense. And here's the thing, I'm so happy. I am so happy that you are part of this experience, that we can journey together to be completely free from the trap of offense and free from the enemy's trap. As we sing this last song, I want to know you more. I surrender to God. I pray that God would open your eyes to see that you cannot love God if you don't love your neighbor. And this is how we love God, by releasing ourselves from the trap of offense, that we can truly love God as we were created. And so Father God, I pray that you would help us to love you more. Lord, we want to love you more. Help us to love you more. Open our eyes, search our hearts. Test us. Know if there are any anxious thoughts in our hearts. Lord, point out the things that offend you. Lead us along everlasting life. And Father God, show us where there's offense in our hearts. Show us where we're holding on to our unforgiveness. Show us even this week that, Lord, we can release these situations to the Lord and trust you in them. And so I bless you, God's people. Let's love God. Let's love each other. I want to love you, Lord. Amen.